Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and welcome. It's now time for the featured bout of the evening. From the four corners of the world, to the four corners of this ring, the fight starts Hello and welcome. We're on the ground in London, ahead of a huge heavyweight clash at the O2 Arena. I'm Fraser Dainton and this is the Matchroom Boxing Podcast, bringing you all the big name interviews. Top of the show, a rematch between Derek Chisora and Kubrat Pulev that's guaranteed to be total carnage. I'm buzzing. He says he's going to punch me in my mouth. Yes, I'm buzzing about that. Punch me in my mouth and I'm going to punch you back. I'm buzzing. Every fight I have to win, but this fight is very important because, you know, I, I'm concentrated about the world title and I hope, I believe, that third time I'm going to win. There's another rematch in the super welterweight division after a controversial end to the first fight. I said directly, you know, if it will be necessary for a rematch, let's do this and close this question. Felix Cash returns to action knowing a win here will lead to big things in the near future. This fight is a very important fight for me, not to, not to have any slip-ups and, uh, you know, put up a good performance on to um, hopefully set up, like you said, a world title shot next. And Kevin Ajarko takes another step forward in his career, but takes a step down in weight. It's a new challenge for me, obviously I've still got to make the weight and perform, but I'm, I'm excited for it and I can't wait to fight Saturday now. All this and much, much more on the ground here in London. We start as always with the top of the bill as Derek Chisora rolls the dice once more. It's almost six years since their first meeting in Germany, which Kubrat Pulev won on a controversial split decision. An awful lot has happened since then. Chisora may have lost a few fights against some of the top contenders, but his all-action style and relentless work rate means he's still as popular as ever with fight fans. As you will hear, Derek is very excited for this fight, and just a warning, there is some strong language coming up. It's all the same talk, to be honest with you. It's all, yes, I've trained hard, I've hit the bag harder, I've sparred harder, I've done everything harder. You know, in my... How many fights have I had? 45 fights. It's the same chat. Um, I just want to fight. You know, we can all sit here and say, oh, I've trained hard, I've done this, I've done this, oh, this is going very well. It don't really matter for me. Um, all I want to do is just put my gum shoot on, you know, uh, put my gloves on, walk out of the ring, walk out to the arena and fight. That's what I want to do, you know, me sitting here and trying to tell you preparation went very well. You know, um, you know, his, his manager said a lot. I wish I had David Hayes still on his side to, to say a lot for me, but he's not here. But, you know, it don't matter. Um, I'm just excited for Saturday, you know. Uh, my, my, my whole point right now is just bring big fights, entertain the crowd, and just do what I like to do. If you're a boxer, if you don't have the confidence, you're in the wrong business. You know, Mike Tyson always said, everybody's got a plan until they get hit. Do you understand? Everybody's got a plan. Every, all the fighters here have a plan. Let's all be honest. Everybody here sitting on this podium, he's got a plan. Everybody wants to win their fight. It's all about that last edge who wants to go to the other end. That's it. You know, even the upcoming fighters, Yusuf and Emlo. Yes, you know, he's had four, 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 four round fights, you know, fighting nobody's yet. But when he gets to the top, you know, things start changing. 
everybody's got a plan. You know, my, my opponent's got a plan. I got a plan. Fabio's got a plan. We all got plans. It's all about when the bell goes and you know what time it is. Do you want to go to the other side? You know, fighters want to fight, you know. We know we start off fighting. We stay on the back foot, keep it long, keep it on, 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 uh, boring and stuff like that. We know, we know we style. But you know my style. My style is fuck it. Fight on the gumshoe, let's fucking go for it. And that's what I'm bringing, you know. I'm bringing that, you know. This is what I, this is what I love, you know. You know, it's, this, my, you know what my plan is already. You know exactly what to expect. I'm not, you're not going to expect of me trying to pace it to round one, round two, round three. No. We, from the get-go, we are going. There's no two ways about it. You don't understand. I'm buzzing. He says he's going to punch me in my mouth. Yes, I'm buzzing about that. Punch me in my mouth, and I'm going to punch you back. I love fighting, yeah? I think the only way you can stop me if you can knock me out like what Dylan did, yeah? Knock me out, and the ref, I wake up, and the ref be like, oh, oh, it's a, and the ref, ref is at 10. I'm like, no, nah, ref, I can still go on. He goes, no, nah, you can't. I'm like, I can't, you know, I can't get up. He goes, no, the fight's over. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> but if you can't do that, <laughs> but if you can't do that, you're fucked. I'm, I'm geared up, mate. I'm telling you, I fucking love it. For Kubrat Pulev, this fight is crucial to any future ambitions the Bulgarian may have to fight for a world title again. Having been stopped by Anthony Joshua in December 2020, he was back in action just two months ago with a 10-round points win over Jerry Forrest in America. When the press conference had finished, Pulev and Chisora came face to face, which resulted in the pair pushing their heads against each other. Then there was a handshake where neither would let go. Security had to step in to separate them. I spoke to Kubrat straight after. So, you know, some, some people is gonna be nervous quick. And also maybe the, 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 his nerve system is different. And it's okay, but it's okay, normal, normal, because it's coming big fight. He lost already first fight, and this is, you know, like one small children who, who know what is coming. You know, maybe like that. It's in, in brain, behind the, the thinking, you know. And uh, his character is like that. And I think uh, he, this, this is the, he showed a little bit the scare, you know, maybe. Do you feel as if you've maybe got into his head a little bit? You've, you've maybe annoyed him, maybe upset him a little bit? Oh, he, he, he is uh, interesting, but... Uh, I already said this is uh, normally because the fight is coming and every every hour is going to be nervous and nervous you know but I'm okay I'm 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 happy to be here because nice people good people you know and somebody asked me from the journalists you feel here you are with uh, people who hate you or something like that no this is I feel here very good. I feel here like in Bulgaria, in my home, you know. And I'm, I feel here very comfortable because the people are kind and I like. You do seem to have been very, very happy and very relaxed while you, yes. you've been here. In terms of how things have gone for you in this camp, you said last time you were here in the UK, it wasn't a good camp before Anthony Joshua, but this one has been good. 
Yeah, I don't think for these uh, these things because uh, before was absolutely different situation, absolutely different opponent, absolutely different. I was different, you know. Now it's different. You know? I'm different. The opponent is different. My preparing is different. So everything is different. That's why I'm I'm okay. I'm ready. I'm ready to fight, and I, I'm sure that I I show one good Kubrat Pulev, the best Kubrat Pulev. Saturday night, and I'm gonna win because because I'm the better boxer, better than, than both. One thing that hasn't changed is how Derek Chisora approaches his fights. You know exactly how he will come at you right from the start. Same as it was when the two of you last met. Do you expect that to, to continue? It's almost like round 13 this time. I don't know. For sure, the fight is gonna be danger. Gonna be very very great fight because because you see. It's, it's also already, already, it's a lot of pressure already. Yeah, a lot of pressure already we have and him, you know, and that's why this is absolutely normal. But I think, I think we're going to see similar fight, you know, similar because we are different. But, you know, my style is better than his, you know, and my technical is better than his. And my my eyes is better than his, you know, in the boxing. That's why. And you have to win this fight. You have to yes. win because you want to be fighting to for world titles again in the future. Every fight I have to win, but this fight is very important because, you know, I I'm concentrated about the world title, and I hope I believe that third time I gonna win. Chisora versus Pulev 2 from the O2 Arena in London is live and exclusive on DAZN on Saturday night. Chief Support sees another rematch, this time in the super welterweight division. The first fight between Israel Madrimov and Michel Soro in Tashkent in July hit the headlines with its controversial finish. At the end of the ninth round, with Soro on the ropes, the referee failed to step in when the bell went. Madrimov connected with several shots after the round should have ended, but was awarded the win. Given that the victor would be mandatory challenger for their world title, the WBA ordered an immediate rematch. And so, here we are. Jamie Ward spoke to Madrimov, who told us that having a fight like this being held in London is a dream come true. Yeah, what's uh, um, you know, uh, uh, that was uh, my dream to uh, to to visit London, and at the moment I have a fight and I visit London, so it's like a, uh, something compared together, and you know, very happy about that. And you compared the UK fight fans to the Mexican fight fans, very passionate over here about our boxing. How much are you looking forward to walking out in that atmosphere on Saturday? <coughs> You know, uh, when, when we arrived to London and uh, on the passport control, you know, I'm saying to immigration officer that, you know, I'm in the boxer, going to participate. He said, yeah, you go, you go past, man. You know, this is, you know, this is demonstrate, uh, you know, how passionate the people about boxing in the UK. So I, I expected that for sure. Let's talk about this rematch then, the fight with Soro. Why was it important to you, Israel, to, to run it back, to have this rematch and, and answer some of the questions? 
Ну да, скажем, да. Right after the fight, you know, all this uh, negotiation about the fight, that it was a, like a, uh, a stoppage after the bell. I say directly, you know, if it will be necessary for rematch, let's do this and close this question. Anyway, uh, another fight with Soro is a very good experience for me before a, a championship bout. So this is something that I have to do. Up until the stoppage, how do you reflect on the fight itself to that point and the challenge that Soro presented in the ring? Ну да, опция, опция есть. I was, uh, you know, in the ring, I was getting from Soro everything that I expected. But at the same, I mean, his experience, you know, he's a tough guy. But at the same time, uh, the the fight was going by the plan that we we have before. It just, it just uh, unlucky that you know, final attack, part of the final attack was after the bell, you know, just a bad luck. And just finally, just talk us through. That final moment from the fight, in your own memory, you, you didn't hear the bell, the ref perhaps didn't hear the bell, but you're just doing your job. Yeah, yeah as well, he didn't hear the bell. You know, it, it just was a good punch, and he was focused on, a, you know, to final, to make a stoppage uh, by referee, yes. And of course, he didn't hear the bell. You've been representing the WBA very successfully since you turned professional, winning their ranking titles. How much does it motivate you now, Israel, knowing that if you do win this fight, you will finally get your shot at the world title? Since first fight for a, like a, t a title, like a regional, it's, it's always motivation for me. Because the final, uh, the final goal is to be a world champion, so every fight motivates me. It doesn't matter if it's a first fight with Soro or second. You're in the gym every day alongside so many talented fighters. I just want to talk about Dimitri Bivol. For Dimitri yeah. Bivol to go and beat Canelo Alvarez in the way that he did, to have the self-belief that he had, how inspiring is that for a fighter like yourself? The winning Bivol against Canelo, it was a big motivation, not only for me, for all the team, for all my uh, you know, uh, partners uh, in the team. Especially because he was uh, Israel was a sparring partner for for Bivol, and of course it proved that you know each of one can do uh, you know uh, achieve uh, wherever they want. Jamel Charlo then, undisputed. Just talk to me about him and how you believe you will show that you're ready for the challenge of Charlo on Saturday night. My opinion, he's undisputed. He has the power. He's a very clever guy. You know, he has a reflex. I mean, he has everything, you know. That's why he's undisputed. So, you know, but in the ring, you never know what will be. So when we get there, we will see, you know, his, uh, you know, uh, his abilities. Не можем сказать. Elsewhere on the bill, Felix Cash is back in action. He takes on American Vaughn Alexander, knowing there's no room for any slip-ups if he's to realise the next step in his career, moving up to world level. His last outing in February saw him get a unanimous decision against the very tricky Magomed Madiev, despite being down twice, having a point deducted and suffering a cut over his eye. Felix told us he's looking forward to returning to one of his favourite venues. One of the best arenas in the, in the country, isn't it? So uh, I do like it the old two. It's easy to get to, easy to get out, and uh, it's in a super good night of boxing. You look great, uh, great shape physically and mentally. And I remember when we came down the gym to chat to you in the build-up to this fight, 
you spoke about how much better of a place you're in all together within yourself. Tell us how you're feeling and how is the mindset heading into this fight? Listen, I uh, feel, feel a lot better, you know, feel a lot more relaxed and, uh, you know, ready to put on a good performance. You know, I had a lot of shit last year and, you know, where I had so much time off and, you know, and I was meant to fight a couple of times, pulling out, so it had a lot of pressure on my shoulder, like, you know, I have to, I have to fight this time and do it. But this time, you know, it's been a bit different and, uh, you know, I feel like I'm back to, back, back to my best and uh, I'll be looking forward to, you know, Saturday and, uh, you know, showing everyone that I've got out. And there was a, you know, there was honest discussions with yourself and Tony about whether you would box again and even yourself, you weren't 100% sure. The way that you've turned things around, does that make you proud of yourself sitting here today? Yeah, definitely. I'm, uh, it's, I'm, proud, I'm proud to be back and, you know, come back from where I come from because, you know, I, it, was, I could have, it was two roads really to take. I could have just stayed on the road I was on and... Uh, not, not, not come back because you know it was, uh, it was, it was looking that way at one point. But you know, back now and uh, you know, I'm very, very pleased to be back. And I remember in in the immediate aftermath of the the fight in Alexandria Palace, you did get a little bit emotional. But the question was around Tony's role in seeing you back to the strength that you're in right now. How important a role has Tony played in your life? Yeah, Tony was uh, Tony was obviously a big part too. You know, my dad was a big part too. My family, I've got my, bro my, my brothers too. You know. They all kept on my case, and uh, you know, well, well, if to, maybe if it weren't for them, for for, for them, for, you know, them four or five people, you know, but um, I probably wouldn't have come back, you know. Uh, so I was lucky; I had good family members around me, a good trainer and Tony, and uh, you know, got me, got me, got me back to, to to do what I do best. Do you think it was a case of not only Tony and your family wanting to just see you in a better place, but Tony especially? There's no way he was going to let you waste this talent, right? Yeah, that's what, well, he's, listen, we sat down and spoke a couple of times, he said, Felix, listen, he said, you've got, you got all the talent in the world, you know, he's, uh, you got what it, you got it, you got what it takes, he said, so he said, I've been in this game a long time, and uh, he goes, don't waste your talent, and, uh, you know, and then, you know, we we come back to the gym again, he said, just have a bit more time, you know what I mean, and then uh, we got back to it, and uh, here we are. I just want to talk a little bit about a very special night in Cardiff, uh, very special night for all of us at Matchroom, but being front row, that right hand landing scene, your, your good mate Joe Cordina win a world title. What was going through? Oh, mate, it was uh, the atmosphere, especially because the arena won a massive, it's not a massive arena, in it? and it was all there for Joe. Everyone was there for Joe, and uh, when that shot landed, mate, he hit that canvas, something was over, and we all just went mad. And in terms of inspiration for you, motivation for you, obviously you're on your own journeys, mm. but being around a guy like Joe every day and seeing where he's at in his career, how much does it motivate you to one day have your own crowning moment like that? Exactly, that's what we're all in this sport for, that's what we're all striving to do. And I've known Joe for a long time, I was on the JB squad with Joe, you know what I mean? So I've known Joe for, you know, a good, a good 10 years and, uh, you know, it was, great to see, it was great to see him win it and, uh, you know, the gym's buzzing now, you know, we're, on, we're, we're close to getting, getting our shots at, at, at a world title like Joe has and uh, seeing him win it, that's what, that's what dreams are made of. The fight with Madiev, a uh, few scary moments. But what made me laugh is you said there's no way in hell that that's humbled me. Uh, can you just nah. tell us about that? Listen, it's a shot. Listen, I got it was a flash knockdown in the you know got caught and uh, listen, there's boxing for you. You know this this is a brutal sport. People get dropped. It's about getting up and uh, and make sure you you, you know you, you you get the W. The W is all about the W. So it'll be nothing different on Saturday night. I'll be uh, coming to get that W. And the mentality's not changed, right? No, take take someone's day clean off. <laughs> that's the plan anyway. <laughs> um, what do you think, Felix, it is that, that gives you that spiteful attitude in the ring that you have? Where do you think that comes? Because when you're in that ring, it seems like it's coming from deep within you, from somewhere. 
Listen, I've been in my family for a, lot, for a long time, you know. Um, my dad used to do bare knuckle boxing, my uncle's um, bare knuckle boxing, and uh, he knows that I, we've come from a fighting family. So, you know, so I think it's always a bit of that, but I think when someone's trying to take your head off, you know what I mean? You're going to try to take their head off too, isn't you? So, I don't know where it comes from, it's just uh, it's what I do. Isn't it? And when you, you, you talked about the pressure on your shoulders heading into the last fight, but when you think about where you're at now, you're in a great position in all the governing bodies, closing in on a world title shot. How important is it to not slip up at this stage? Listen, it's important not to slip up at any stage, but uh, no, I think this this fight is a very important fight for me, not to, not to have any slip-ups and, uh, you know, put up a good performance on to um, hopefully set up, like you say, a world title shot next or, or in the near future. There were a few opponent changes along the way, but you do have one now, Vaughan yeah. Alexander. Um, from what you've seen, can you tell me anything about him? Listen, he's a very tough operator. He's a so strong man, you know, uh, uh, he's, he's fought some good. He's fought. He's fought very good men in, in his career, and he's you know he's had uh, close, cl close fights for him. You know, split decision, majority draws. Um, so, listen, he's definitely no mug. He's going to be coming to. He's going to be coming trying to take me out, and uh, uh, well, I'll be doing the same. And for the fans inside the O2, all your supporters, your friends, your family, those watching around the world on the zone, what can they expect to see from you, Felix? Listen, no, I'm going to do what I do best, and uh, that's uh, that's fight and uh, make sure I get the victory. But listen, he's. Uh, it should be. It should make two, two, I think the style to make a good fight because he'd be there. He'd be there to fight, and he'd be. He'd be right bang on in front of me, and uh, should make a good, a good, uh, good fight. Popular Irishman Kevin Ajarko makes his twelfth professional appearance on Saturday night, but with a change of weight division. He's moving down from middleweight to super welter and told us he's happy making the switch to 154. Yeah, things are good. Um, I'm looking forward to Saturday night. Uh, camps went perfect, no complaints. So can't wait to just weigh in Friday, fight Saturday. New journey, uh, new chapter. Talk to us about the move down um, to 154 and how excited you, you are for this new, new challenge. Yeah, new challenge, new journey for me at a, at a new weight. Um, it's, do you know what? I'm surprised at how easily I've made the weight. Like I was four pound over last night. Probably got five, six pound to lose now. Um, but it's it's been comfortable. It hasn't it hasn't been hard at all. So yeah, it's um it's a new challenge for me. Obviously, I've still got to make the weight and perform. But I'm I'm excited for it and I can't wait to fight Saturday night. Two fights in uh, with Matram now. Um, how would you assess sort of the last? six months or so from a life perspective, a career perspective, and, and how things have changed for Kevin Ajaka? Yeah, I feel like in terms of performance-wise, I haven't performed to the Kevin Ajaka that everybody knows, but um, ultimately I haven't performed bad. Uh, just I've got high expectations of myself. In terms of being with Matchroom and, and the zone, it's, it's been unbelievable. Um, Eddie's given me the opportunities, put me on, on unbelievable cards. Second title fight in, in three fights with Matchroom, so... Yeah, I have no complaints. I'm happy. Um, the, I feel like that career move was, was best for me and um, it's paying off. I know you placed a lot of importance on keeping the KO streak going, but do you think, you know, now, now that it effectively is over, that streak, you know, you, do you feel like it's able you to mature and have a, a sort of different outlook on placing more importance on your performances being strong rather than just being a bit too gung-ho? Yeah, definitely. I feel like I was... The last two performances, I was gunning for the KO. Do you know what I mean? I, you could see that I was looking for it um, a, a bit too much, and it was 
purely just to keep that KO streak going. I wanted, to, I always said to myself, I wanted to get ten, uh, ten KOs in a row, and unfortunately that that hasn't happened. But I'll start that KO train Saturday, Saturday night again. But there's no expectations anymore. Um, I'm not putting any expectations on myself. I, can, I feel like with this opponent, I can go out and enjoy it, and I can show everyone how good of a boxer I am. Um, I'm a far better technical boxer than I am a, a aggressive boxer, and I feel like I can show that Saturday night. So, yeah. Um, we didn't we didn't get the the KO last time out, but there's no expectations for me to get the KO this time because he's, the the kid's never been stopped. Well, it's, a, it's a tough fight for your first fight um, down at the middle. When Lucas Masiek's name was put to you, what was it that excited you? Do you think? Um, I, I accept it straight away, like I do with most opponents. Um, excited me because he hasn't been stopped. He's tough. He's got a good record. Um, he took a couple rounds off Anthony, uh, Anthony Fowler, so it's a it's a challenge for me on Saturday night. It's probably the best opponent I've fought. Um, so yeah, it's I, I look forward to them kind of fights, the the kind of fights that people are going to question certain things about me. And I feel like with this opponent, it will bring out the best of me. And an opportunity to become a, a two-weight WBA international champion. I'm sure the belts will be getting more prestigious as we as we move on. But for you, it strikes me you're not in this division to to be another fighter at 154. You're here to to prove you can be one of the best. Yeah, we're about to. I'm not. I'm not. I didn't move down to one five four just to make up the numbers. <laughs> I moved down. There was a plan on on why. Do you know what I mean? I feel like Charlo's going to vacate. Um, thankfully, Eddie and Matchroom have got me a, a title fight, my first fight at one fifty four, and I picked that up Saturday night. I'll I'll put myself in the top ten, top fifteen in the in the rankings, and if the WBA comes vacant, I hope to kind of put myself in a position to challenge for it. So I want to be I want to be a world champion at um, one fifty four. We'll move up to one sixty. One eye on the uh, chief support, perhaps Madrimal Sora. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, that's a WBA final eliminator, I think, or something like that. So, yeah, definitely, a, that's a fight for me. Um, and and down the line, maybe next year or or towards the um, start of twenty twenty four, definitely a fight that I'd take. And in terms of your mindset, um, the mentality when you when you're on that ring walk ramp and you're stepping through those ropes, what's going through your mind? Seek and destroy. I keep telling myself to not seek and destroy because. I go out there and try and take their head off too early, but listen, you don't get paid for overtime, and I'm a fighter that likes to excite the fans. I've got a, a fan-friendly um, fighting style, so when I when I'm walking to the ring, it's uh, it's seeking the straw. I'm not letting someone take food off my table, and it's get the win no matter what. Believe you win this fight inside the distance. Yeah, I won't be going looking for it, but there's one thing for sure: if I have you heard, I'll close the show. You know, I I, I finished my dinner, so. Fabio Wardley's star continues to rise. Having smashed his way to 13 straight wins, 12 of them by way of knockout, he's just been sponsored by his hometown football team, Ipswich Town. The club crest will appear on his fight kit as he faces Kingsley Ibe. He told us he's proud to be representing where he's from. Yeah, I think that's massive. That's the that's the big thing for it is that hometown hometown advantage and that hometown support because that's where I'm from and that's they're the people I love they're the people I see day to day they're the people I, I mix with in the gym and and see when I go to the football games and things like that so it's great to have them and know that they're right behind me on this journey and obviously got on board really like the way they have as of late what have the club said to you I know we spoke about the dream, uh, the stadium fight, Portland yeah. Road. What have the club said to you about perhaps that one day being the ambition? 
Definitely, it's a massive thing. It's probably something they, they speak to me about every other week. It's something they really want to do. It's something they really want to get set up. They think it'd be great for the town. Obviously, great for the club as well and fantastic for me. So we just need the right fight at the right time and it's definitely something that we can do in the future. When you think back to the, the small hall days in Norwich, down, down the Corn Exchange, I believe it was, yeah. in Ipswich, how much have things changed for you, Fabio? Bearing in mind you've... You're only 13 fights in now. Yeah, it's crazy. It is really crazy. When you kind of look at look at my career, the trajectory, and kind of how it's all gone, it's it's just it's been a like I just say it's been a roller coaster. It's just mental. It just seems like one minute I got on and I was just I was off. One second I was fighting on small hall shows in front of maybe 500 to a thousand people in in little old Ipswich, and then next thing you know, I'm at the O2 boxing in front of thousands and thousands of people on some of the biggest cards of the year. So. It's been crazy, but I'm, I'm loving every minute of it. It was actually December 2018, White Chisora 2, mm. uh, your first fight at the O2. For that reason, given that was the fight, like you say, when you did explode somewhat onto the big stage, is it always special when you go back to the Dome? Yeah, like it's my home away from home kind of thing, because that was the first one I did. And I always like, I explain to people as well, I say like, when I thought about my career and how I started the first time around, I always thought like, I would almost like end my career at like an O2 event. I thought, oh, if I could just get through maybe 15, 20 small hall shows and then maybe I'll get the chance, I'll get onto one of those big O2 shows on TV, on camera, and I th- and then that'll be it. That'll be like the pinnacle of my career and I'll have almost kind of quote-unquote made it. And now I've, I've done the O2 five, maybe even six times or something. So it's, it's crazy how things go, but it's definitely my favourite venue. I think I said this to you before, I think it's clear there's been a shift of someone who was enjoying all the opportunities to someone who truly believes he can leave a stamp on this heavyweight division, is that fair? Yeah, definitely, 1000%, because I did come in like that, I came in extremely just humble and, and grateful to even just be here, to even have a camera in my face, for someone like you to even take the time to interview me and just and want to have a chat with me about me and my career to the point now where like... I've done it a lot of times and I've built that confidence and that self-worth to be like, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm good here. I'm decent. I can make a real impact on this division. So there has been a, a switch in mentality and it's a bit more aggressive now and I've got a lot more assertive about my goals. And despite this becoming your life now, becoming the norm, the interviews, the, the cameras, the bright lights, what do you do to keep yourself and your feet on the ground? <laughs> I keep the same people around me. Like obviously, you're familiar with everyone here is familiar with my team. They're they're an odd ball of people all stuck together. But there's no one new. I have a very small, tight knit group of people. Everyone I have with me has been with me since I started. Since I literally first ever put on a pair of gloves. And for me, I think that's the best way to keep me grounded and keep me level because. At no point will they ever let me get away with my ego going too big or getting my head getting too big. They're more than happy to bring me down a pick or two and tell me about myself and, and make me go back and realise that you're not there yet. You're on the way, yeah, great, but you're not there yet. With the, the bigger stages is going to come <clears throat> the bigger fights. You know, your last three opponents picked in, in, ideally to give you rounds. That mm-hmm. hasn't been the case. Is that left you frustrated? Have you tried to look at that as a testament to your own power? What's been your perception of the last few fights? Yeah, it's a mix of both, isn't it? It's, it's, it's frustrating in a sense when you train for 10, 12 weeks for a camp. You put yourself through all the hard training, you sweat it out, you exert yourself every week and then you get in there and you finish someone up in a round or two. And don't get me wrong, 
ultimately that is great. You, early nights work, no damage to me, no harm to me, great, good. But also, I'm at a point in my career now where I'm stepping into those higher levels, those bigger fights. So those challenges of higher, higher caliber opponents will come sooner or later. So I need to tick off those boxes in terms of knowing what it feels like to be in the 8th, ninth, 10th round, how my heart feels, how my stamina feels, are my arms heavy, are my legs heavy, how do I manage that, how do I manage the ring, how do I manage the opponent, all those questions need to be answered sooner rather than later, so hopefully that's something we can get answered soon. I think the frustration is coming through because on... You're not, you're not a confrontational guy, no. but social media, last 24 hours, a uh, <laughs> little bit of back and forth. Can you tell us what's been, what's been going on? Um, no, I just, I tell you what, Twitter is my, like, I am a very jokey, sarcastic, quite condescending kind of person. And Twitter is the perfect outlet for that for me, because I like to just have a go with someone. Like, I don't mind, I love it if someone will have a jab at me and I'll never go back aggressive and start swearing and, and getting nasty at them because that's not what I do, I don't care. But I just love a good little sarcastic reply or a bit of back and forth. Like, if someone's made a point, that's fine. But a lot of people that make these points on social media and stuff, they don't know the industry, they don't know boxing, they don't know how the situations work or how everything's come together. So I give them a little bit of explanation with a little bit of sass on top. Let's talk about your opponent, because there was names thrown around, Marius Watt, Christian Hammer, even Carlos Takam, as of quite recently. Mm. Kings Libe, um, how did we get to this point, and what do you know about him? Not too much, to be honest. I know, I know something very good that he took. He got a draw with uh, Guido Vianello, I think his name is, the Italian, who's obviously a, uh, a good prospect, someone who's very good, well-touted. So that's a, good, that's a good thing to have on his record. It means he's durable which is perfect, which is what we're looking for. It means he's durable and it means his game, because what that means is he won some of those rounds. He was putting the pressure on and bringing it to him. So that's ideally what we're looking for. And so hopefully he brings that on the night. One thing I do want to ask you about that not a lot of people might be familiar with, Ben Davison, uh, going to be in the corner this weekend. Hmm. What can you tell us about this, where this came from, and how the dynamic works with Rob as well? Yeah, it's um, something we've been keeping under wraps. It's not something that we've publicly announced or publicly shared or put anywhere really just because that's not how we operate um, but Ben will be in the corner on the night Ben's been someone we've been working with for a year now or since the beginning of the year I should say um, <clears throat> because me and Rob have reached we've realised that we've reached a point where we need more we need more experience we need more insight and not just for me as a boxer for him as a coach as well because for Rob as my coach, I'm his first pro. This is my first go around in the pro rank. So there's experience, there's things that Ben knows that we've never experienced, that we don't know, that we don't know how to manage a camp through maybe a certain injury or a specific problem that a, f a fighter might pose that he can figure out that we can't and things like that. And especially as well, the main thing for us was that, <clears throat> was that obviously with me having such a short background in terms of, white collar I only ever had four white collar fights I had no amateur experience which then means I had no kind of foundation building I don't know all those little intricate small details of boxing and how to move and placement and stuff and I'm I'm doing well obviously I'm getting away with things because I'm agile because I can move and because I can punch I'm, th those things are working at the moment but we really need to build on those and become a full complete fighter with a lot more aspects to our game and that's where Ben comes in 
One road, of course, will lead to the next, and you're probably getting sick of saying his name. The British title, why, since you, you first put on the gloves, why is this a belt that you've, you've set your eyes on winning? It's just a beautiful belt. Really is a really nice belt, and I think it's so it's so prestigious and respected within boxing. Like, are you win that, and people give you the real nod to say, actually, you know what? Yeah, okay, you've you've done well there because the English title, Southern Area titles, those kind of belts, in no way to say they're Mickey Mouse, not what I'm saying at all. But they can be. You can fight near on anyone for those and kind of grab that and, and do whatever with that. And I'm and I'm proud of my English title belt. I love it and I'm happy that I won it. But I think that the British title is definitely that next level, that real recognition that hey, actually, this guy's onto something here. He can go somewhere. After three fights in America, Ramla Ali returns to UK soil for her sixth professional appearance. Having teamed up with new trainer Manny Robles stateside, she got her first knockout win last time out against Shelley Barnett in Los Angeles. And having returned home, it's been the first time she's been able to see herself immortalised in a mural on a wall in her hometown of Bethnal Green. My mum still lives there. You know, when she's going to the supermarket every day, she passes by and she just sees it. So that, for me, is probably the greatest honour and the greatest achievement. Um, obviously, it's great being on front covers around the world and stuff like that, because then it get, gets you global attention, which is always good, because it means more people want to tune in and watch you compete. But I think just having these young girls who decided to do these, this, this mural and the um, museum, Numbi, um, you know, they, they chose me in a selection of quite a number of people who have, you know, grown up in Bethnal Green, come from Tower Hamlets. And yeah, they chose me out of a, this huge pool of people that have, you know, uh, achieved so much. So yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's great. And in terms of, inspiration yeah uh, i know that's a massive part of your motivation away from the boxing ring away from your modeling career it's, it's to inspire people who grew up in a similar circumstances yeah. to you so how important do you hope young girls who are, who are looking up at that yeah uh, how do you hope that can make them feel as well 100 percent um i say this constantly and i'm sorry if i sound like a broken record but representation is very important um you know, I always say you can't be what you can't see. And, you know, having someone that looks like me um, planted on a wall in an area that is, you know, slowly, slowly being gentrified, it allows young girls who have come from similar backgrounds to me who do look like me to see, wow, what an achievement. If she can do it, then I can do it too. And that is... Um, obviously something quite heavy to bear on my shoulders, but if I can just inspire one girl to dream big, then I feel like I've done my job right. Did they paint your good side? Because I know you sometimes <laughs> like, to, you like, you like to pick the artwork sometimes, you know. Did they, I hope when you're looking up at that, you weren't disappointed. They, they chose a good picture, um, which is, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's, you know, it's a, picture that symbolizes my heritage it's a picture that symbolizes my culture my religion like all meshed into one it's just there and I think it's probably the best picture that they chose I remember when we did our first interview uh, when you joined Matchroom and the, the ultimate goal was to 
go to the Olympic Games yeah. and represent your country. Yeah. You did that. Yeah. Although... Let's not talk about whatever, that. Whatever... I, I just <laughs> want to ask, you know, whether... Whatever you, you think about yeah. not meddling or whatever, mm. the achievement to get there is, yeah. is so significant, right? Yeah. How do you reflect on the whole experience and the achievement of, of getting to that position, which at a time might have seemed impossible? Yeah. Um, you know... I, I always say that the same thing is, oh, let's not talk about it, but quite a f number of people have pointed out the, the best thing to me is out of God knows how many people that try to, you know, qualify and go to the Olympics, you did it, and you did it with no funding, you know, no support, um, and, you know, you're like the 0.0001% of the world that gets to say that they're an Olympian forever. So, yes, it's, it's obviously a great achievement. And like you said, it's, like, really disappointing. You know, you go there and then, you know, you don't medal or you don't perform as well as you feel like you could have performed. There's so many things that were going on in the background that obviously I don't want to use as an excuse, but nobody knows about. Um, yeah, and it's really hard to reflect on... You know, a lot of people say their Olympic experience was this amazing experience, even though they didn't medal. But I just feel like, yes, I went to the Olympics, and yes, it was great, and yes, I can say that I'm an Olympian forever. But so many things that were going on that meant that I couldn't enjoy it to the to its fullest potential. Knowing your role you play in the community, though, and yeah. you know how inspiring you are for these people, particularly, you know, you're saying you might not be that impressed with what you achieved over yeah. in Tokyo, but that's because you, you've always been your own harshest critic, Graham, I've yeah. said that to you <laughs> since day one. But the, the belief that everyone has in you when you yeah. walk into the ring, what does yeah. that do for, for your courage on that ring? Oh, 100%. It, it gets me from here to here. Like, there's my, my uh, coaches, Manny, Edgar, and Manny Jr., they do certain things that I know that I've done well. So, like, Manny Sr. will be like... Good, good job, good job, or way to go to the body, or something like that. And then Edgar will say something like, <laughs> he'll say something like, you did good, you did good. And, you know, Manny Jr. will just nod. So when you get those sort of responses from them, you know, like, you're doing something good. I mean, like you said, I'm my biggest critic, and I always, like, pick faults at every little thing. But to hit, you know for all the hard work that you put in and then to hear those, you know, type of responses, even if it's just f for a fraction of a, of a thing that you do, like maybe one shot, it makes you feel good. So, yeah, when you hear things like that, definitely going into the ring, you feel like, wow, I can fly. So, yeah, it's great. Talk to us about uh, the decision to, to move out to LA and base yourself over there for camp with yeah. the great Manny Robles. I mean, you've obviously been spending a lot of time with him because that impression was pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, just talk to us about that and uh, why it was an important career move for you. Um, I feel like everyone, everyone is moving to the UK, like Australians are coming here and Americans want to, you know, come here and fight here and train here. And it feels like I'm doing the opposite. Um, but for me, uh, I've obviously, in, in, in my amateur career, I've trained all over the world and trained with, um, you know, loads of training camps all over the world and trained with di different boxers from everywhere. And for me, California has the toughest women I've ever met and it's the best place for training that I've ever been. 
it's obviously, you know, put me out of my comfort zone. I've had to say, you know, bye to my parents. Like I haven't, since coming back, I haven't seen my mum or dad for like a year. And that's been really hard, but sometimes you have to make sacrifices for your dreams. And for me, um, training in California with amazing coaches like Manny Edgar, Manny Jr., it's just, it's a no-brainer. Why wouldn't you want to go out there, improve yourself, be the best version of yourself that you could possibly be? Um, yeah, and I've had some, like, phew, in, incredible sparring. There's a little girl that I spar constantly, Perla. She's a super, she's, she's a future superstar, in my opinion. Um, and she's been excellent uh, to help me prepare for uh, this fight on Saturday. You got off to a good start, your first stoppage. I always ask fighters this now, look, mm. don't care, winning's the most important yeah. thing. But now you've got the stoppage, did it feel good? Well, you could see from my reaction, I was like, I, I didn't expect it to come. Um, I remember before, you know, going into the ring, we were having a conversation and Manny was saying, look, don't go, don't go looking for the knockout. You know, prepare yourself. You're going to be doing eight rounds. Prepare yourself mentally to do eight rounds. If it comes, it comes. I was really relaxed. And yeah, the knockout came and he was right. Um, and you could see it in my face. I was really shocked as I, as I was stepping back because I, I didn't expect it to come. Um, it's obviously not great seeing someone crying after, um, which is the what the opponent was doing um, after. But you know, you have to. At the end of the day, you have to try and be the, the the best version of you you can be. And you know, you sometimes you don't want to let it go eight rounds and leave it to the chance of judges. You've got to do everything you possibly can to win. And yet, the knockout came. And yet, it felt great to get my first knockout. Um, but it's not always the best feeling. <laughs> Uh, you're bringing a good little turnout on Saturday night. I think you've done just shy of 500 tickets, is that right? I think it's like a bit more than 500. Well, there you go. Um, wow, that's, that's impressive. <laughs> um, a few famous faces, a lot of people in, in, within the community as well. Just talk to us about that and, and what this support means. Yeah, I mean, doing, um, being able to do like all these magazine covers and going to these events to network means you become friends with famous people and you, you, know, you encourage them to come watch you fight. And so that would be great to have, you know, these people. Who's coming? <laughs> Any names? I've heard Idris Elba's coming. Yes, his wife bought two, two, two tickets. Paul Mescal, BAFTA winning act. Oh, Michael Ward from Top Boy. Yes, yeah, it's, it's great. It'll be the first time that I've had this sort of turnout. Um, you know, my first couple of uh, uh, professional fights were done under closed doors, so I didn't have anyone there. And then after that, went to the States, and so I don't really have a huge following in the States, apart from like relatives that came to watch. But yeah, this is the first time I'm gonna have this level of crowd come to support me. You know what, I'm not fully prepared for it. Um, it's probably gonna hit me on the day when you know, some of these uh, people are like, we've made chants for you. So like when I hear the chants, it's probably gonna hit me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible to know that this, num this number of people wanna come and watch me perform. Um, yeah. Do you, know, do you know any of these chants yet? Have you heard any whispers? No. <laughs> no, they're just, they're just a bunch of uh, crazy uh, 
Crazy Women from the Sisters Club that I, uh, the, the charity that I own. So yeah. Well, <laughs> we look forward to that. Let's just talk about your opponent, uh, Roya, mm -hmm. six and one. Um, yeah. What have you been able to watch of her? Uh, what do you know about her? So yeah, she's six and one. <laughs> which is as is far a, as it goes. Which is a great record. Uh, I know she's just as game as I am, so it'll be great. Um, she's smaller than me, which is you know nothing new to me. I'm I'm quite. I feel like I'm quite a big super bantam, and so I've all, my opponents have always been either my just shy of my height or a bit smaller. Um, and she's from Argentina. That is all I know. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Super Bantam there. We spoke a little bit about this downstairs off camera yesterday. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of good fights mm -hmm. in and around 118 pounds, 123 pounds. Where, 122 pounds rather, where do you and Manny and the team see yeah. yourself operating when you work up to these 10 rounders and, and the belts begin I, to come into play? I always just leave it to them. Um, I feel like, A, they have my best uh, interest at heart and B, they won't push me into fights that I'm not ready for. So when they, f when they think I'm ready, which he obviously said, Edgar thinks quite soon, um, then yeah, you, you've got to trust your coaches 100%, otherwise why are you working with them? Um, so yeah, I fully trust uh, in their belief in me, and when they think that I will be ready, I will be ready. And the type <laughs> of names domestically we could throw, Ellie Scottney, yeah. Shannon Courtney as mm -hmm. well, of course. Then you've got the likes of Ebony Bridges, mm. uh, who, who's based herself over here. Talk to yeah. me about those names. and. Are those names that you feel it's inevitable we will see you in the ring with at some stage? Yeah, I mean, it, ha it has to be, right? Um, those are like the big fights, uh, you know, coming up. And then you've got world-class operators, you know, the girls that have the, the world titles in, in my weight. You've got Yemeleth, I think her name is. She has WBC and then, is it the WBO? Um, she fought quite recently, uh, Mayor... Madeline Rivas. Madeline Rivas. Yeah, so those are girls that I, you know, hope to be in the ring with um, as well uh, to get those world titles. Because if you're not chasing world titles and you're not chasing greatness, then what are you doing this for? Just finally then, you mentioned being behind closed doors at Wembley mm -hmm. Arena. A little bit different atmosphere awaits you yep. on Saturday night. What can we expect to see from you in the ring and what do you think will satisfy you? <laughs> you can expect a different kit for once. God, I've rinsed out that black and purple shorts, haven't I? Um, We're all thinking it. Too. I know, right? It's like, oh, come on, Ramlar, stop being cheap, get a new one. Um, so that, um, what else? I mean, I'm just looking to push on from my last performance. You know, quite a few friends contacted me after saying that... Um, they like they liked what they saw. They I looked a lot more confident in the ring. My my style has changed a bit, and that's obviously credit to working in California with you know these incredible coaches. Um, so yeah, just I want to push on from my last performance and just uh, get better with each each fight. After a standout amateur career, Solomon Dacus continues to make a name for himself in the heavyweight division. The West Midlands fighter, known as the real deal, had three successful outings in his first year as a professional, but then suffered an injury. He told me he's now looking to push on after the delay. Yeah, massively, you know, I've been out nine months my last fight was, had a little shoulder injury. So just looking forward to getting back in there and getting back to business. 
How frustrating a period was that for you? Yeah, very, you know, fighters get injuries, you know, it's part of the game, but it doesn't make it any easier when you've got it, but you just got to stick to the course, do all your training, you know, and you come back now in the five weeks here, now so I'm looking forward to it. I guess it's just one of those experiences, isn't it? you just got to put that to one side now and get on with things. Exactly that, you know, um, it's part of the game. You get through it, you know, make it strong, you learn something from it, come back stronger, that's the aim. Three fights in your first year as a pro last year. How well do you think that all went for you? Yeah, good. I mean, I got I got three good fights in. Um, you know, I didn't just fight your typical guys that are going to get knocked over. You know, I finished stronger for Sokolowski, who's, you know, he's, he's a tough guy. And, um, you know, I got good rounds out of him as well. So for where I'm at in my third fight, I'm in a good place. How important is it now for you to, to kick on and start moving away up this domestic division? Yeah, definitely that. You know, next 12 to 18 months, I want to be looking at British title level. You know, no point hanging around. I know I'm capable of it. I just need to get myself the experience and get through it. Because at domestic level, it is thriving in this division at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You know, you look at Britain now, last few years, if you're top of Britain, you're pretty much top of the world um, in the heavyweight division. So if that's somewhere I can get and in this country, I'm, I'm going to be looking at the top of the world as well. Obviously, we know all about your, your sparring sessions with some of the top names in this division at world level. How much, how well do you think that has prepared you for, for moving into the pro ranks now? Yeah, it's great, especially early on. You know, you're not going to fight opponents that have got such, um, you know, credibility as the top guys I've been sparring. So, and I got confidence from it because I know I'm doing well in those spars and I'm, I'm confident in what I can do. So it's, it's setting me up well, definitely. And obviously we know you're in there hanging around with guys who are operating at world level, particularly with the Yafai brothers, for example. Yeah, exactly. You know, we've got the Yafai brothers from Birmingham as well as myself, you know, world level fighters, you know, and it's, I've been on the GB squad for many years as well. So it's, I've got that sort of elite attitude when it comes to um, boxing. Seems to be a lot of top talent coming out of Birmingham these days. Exactly. And, you know, big heavyweight like myself, someone that can definitely rally it as well. So what's the plan as far as the next year is concerned? Obviously, you want to get this far out, out yeah. the way, way first, but there could be a, a lot of big doors opening for you in the near future. Yeah, that's it. You know, get myself this fight, um, get myself back from this injury, get a good few rounds in, you know, force a stoppage, hopefully. And, and then I want to get big shows in Birmingham as well and get myself up the card, you know, pushing myself up, eventually get that top bill position. And finally, make sure you keep an eye open for the man opening the show on Saturday night. Yusuf Ibrahim from Northampton raised plenty of eyebrows with his pro debut win against Stephen Jackson in February. His style is drawing comparisons to none other than Prince Nassim Hamed. He told me he can't wait to be involved this weekend. I'm really excited, confident, got this ready. Obviously a bit nervous, but that's normal. But I'm ready for this. I've been training hard for it. I'm going to put up. Opened the show really well. It says on the back of your T-shirt, leave them speechless. That's what you've been doing so far, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We let them speak, we leave them speechless. That's my saying. Everything we do, we go in, leave them speechless. Tell us a bit about your amateur career. How did you get on? I had uh, 44 fights, 136. Won a lot of titles, belts, everything. But yeah. How important is it now for you to, to get use this platform and use this opportunity to really show us what you can do? After this performance, it will open a lot of doors, so it's really crucial that I perform on the night and get it done, get the job done. The comparisons have already been seen about you and Prince Nassim Mohammed. <laughs> I mean, what do you make of all that? Yeah, do you know what it is? Prince Nassim is my favourite boxer, so I do watch him all the time and everything, but no disrespect to Prince Nassim and everything. He has his own style, I have my own, one of one. So are you looking at him and saying, you know, I've got similarities there, yeah, I can yeah. do those sorts of it's, things? It's definitely a compliment getting compared to him, but 
we're different. You see on the night, I'm a bit different, but we're similar. We're both entertainers and he is my favourite, so it's really a compliment to be compared to him. You've got to be careful though with that open language style though. It can, can leave you open to shots, can't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's the risk. I rely a lot on my head movement and everything. But yeah, just the open style lures them in and everything. So it's part of the style, the technique, everything, yeah. He was a huge entertainer. Is that what you want to do as well? Be a big entertainer in the boxing scene? Yeah, 100%, 100%. Because boxing, like, no one wants to see a boring fight or anything. I'm entertaining. I want everyone to come watch me fight and enjoy the fight. And if you can achieve anything like the sort of success he had, you'd be laughing, wouldn't you? Yeah, 100%, 100%. If I live up to him, it would be really great. From Tolworth Recreation Centre to the O2, that's some jump, isn't it? Yeah, 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 it is. That was a good um, first fight, to be fair. A good um, setup and everything. Good uh, warm-up to this fight. But I'll be ready now. I was supposed to fight, I was supposed to fight in Manchester Arena on uh, Chizuru's last fight but then my documents didn't get ready, so I'm here now on the big stage. Time to show the world to Yusuf Ibrahim is. And you've obviously got a huge amount of confidence. Where does that come from? Um, it's just in me. I don't know really, <laughs> just who I am. <laughs> so another huge night of boxing at the O2 Arena here in London on Saturday night. Don't forget, top of the bill, Derek Chisora versus Kubrat Pulev in a fight that promises total carnage. And it's live and exclusive on the zone. Thanks for joining us on the ground in London. We'll be back again very soon.